Welcome to Hot Copy Radio Theater. You are about to hear a cast of very talented voice performers recreate a long-lost episode of Hot Copy, an exciting audio drama about the wild adventures of a young woman newspaper reporter, which was broadcast on the NBC radio network between 1941 and 1944. This recreation is adapted from the original script. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. It's time for Hot Copy, the vivid drama behind the paragraphs of a daily newspaper column. Hot Copy is the absorbing story of a young newspaper woman, Anne Rogers, a smart, attractive girl with a nationally syndicated column, Second Glance, in which she covers many events, which other, less courageous reporters would be afraid to touch. Her stories, in the words of her adventurous profession, are always Hot Copy. Now, listen to a new and exciting episode, in which she seeks and finds hot copy in today's story, Hide and Seek, adapted from the original script as broadcast on radio April 30th, talk with any man today. Gee, it's a lonely town without any men around. All the gals are lonely for the one and only today. Hey, sister. Huh? Are you speaking to me? Yeah, come over here by the truck. How'd you like a swell fur coat? I'm not interested in... Say... It's some beautiful skin, eh? Genuine silver fox, too. See for yourself. Blow on it. <sighs> well... You like it? Mm-hmm. What do you think a coat like that's worth? Gosh, I don't know. About five hundred? Easy, if not more. I'm in kind of a jam, and I'll let you have this for a hundred and fifty. What do you say? A hundred and fifty dollars? That's right. And, sister, you couldn't buy a better bargain if you had a million. Turn around again, Sprightly, and let me see. Mmm, it's gorgeous. I haven't seen a coat like that in a month of Sundays. You like it then, Annie? Like it? Can't you tell by the green in my eyes? I love it. But wasn't it incredibly expensive? That's the best part, Sugar Plum. <laughs> How much do you think a coat like this is worth? I don't know exactly. 
But five hundred? Seven fifty? Guess again. Eight fifty? Colder. You mean it was less than that? Mm-hmm. Annie, it cost me a hundred and fifty dollars. What? That's right. I argued the man down. Argued him down? Sprightly Pool, if you got that coat for $150, the fox wasn't the only one that got skinned. Who was this, this philanthropist? Oh, he wasn't a philanthropist. He was a truck driver. You see, he was in some sort of a jam. A jam? Well, it's like this. He'd bought this truckload of furs. At an auction, or something. On speculation. He... Expected to sell them to a big fur company here in town, but on account of price controls because of the war situation and all that sort of thing, he couldn't unload them the way he'd expected to, so he sort of was forced to sell them direct to the public. Oh, I see. Oh, no. What do you see, Annie? Sprightly, I believe you're the most gullible girl who ever lived. Who? Me? Without a doubt. <laughs> Every time you go for a walk, you add another chapter to Gullible's travels. But what? Darling, you work for a newspaper. Don't you ever read it? Well, well sure. I don't mean the second glance column by Ann Rogers. <laughs> I mean the news section. Look here, Sprightly. Annie, what are you looking for? A story in this morning's newspaper. Yes, here it is. Read it. But I... Go on, read it. Night watchman killed by thieves during $100,000 robbery of fur warehouse. <gasps> Annie! Yes, I'm afraid so, Sprightly. My coat must be part of the loot. It seems very likely. Does it have a label of any kind inside? Why, no. The man said that since it hadn't been consigned to any dealer... Yes, but of course it's possible that it might not be part of the fur that was stolen from the warehouse. It's an old trick of shysters and con artists to stop random people on a busy sidewalk, then give them that fake story, I'm in a jam and need quick cash. They do it with furs, perfume, wristwatches, jewelry. They do? Yes, but in such cases, the merchandise is usually of low quality. I'm no expert, but your silver fox coat? It looks to me like the real McCoy. Oh, but what am I going to do, Annie? There's only one thing to do, girlfriend. Get in touch with the owner of the warehouse. He can tell whether this coat was stolen from his company. And, and, if it is? Then, darling, I'm afraid you must give it back. You see, stolen goods do not become the property of their buyers, even if they are paid for in good hard cash. But, but, if I have to give it back, then what will I do for a coat? I just gave my old ones to the charity clothing drive for the war refugees. In that case, my pet, you will simply have to warm yourself with the memory of a generous deed.
Pool? Pool? I don't know any Miss Pool. Jenkins, tell her to go away. But there's another lady with her, Mr. Crowder. Uh, Miss Rogers. I don't know any Miss Rogers, either. Uh, now, see here, Jenkins. I'm a busy man. Miss Anne Rogers, sir. I don't give a hang what her first name is. She's the newspaper woman, sir, the one who writes that daily column Second Glance. Confound it, I don't care Wait, what? Ann Rogers, the writer? Yes, sir. And, uh, what does she want? It's something about the robbery, sir. About the... Hmm, I see. Well, perhaps I'd better see her after all. Yes, sir, I'll show them in, sir. And, uh, uh, Jenkins? Yes, Mr. Crowder? I, uh, wouldn't volunteer any information about the stolen goods if I were you. One wrong word might complicate the matter of insurance, you know? Yes, sir, I understand, sir. Mr. Crowder will see you now, ladies. How do you do? Hello. Glad to meet you. So nice of you to come, ladies. You've met Mr. Jenkins? Yes, indeed. Oh, yes. Outside. He's my chief clerk and right-hand man. Don't know what I'd do without him. Well, now, what can I do for you? It's about the fur robbery in your storage warehouse, Mr. Crowder. Now, just a moment, Miss Rogers. I don't wish to appear ungrateful. But if you are planning to investigate the robbery as a means of getting material for your column, I should like to point out that the affair is already in capable hands. Both the city police and the insurance company detectives have been called in. Yes, I realize that. We've just talked to my good friend, Inspector Collins, and he suggested we see you. Well, that's very good of you, Miss Rogers. But I'm afraid I haven't a single comment to add to what I've already told the police. But you see, Mr. Crowder, we believe we've uncovered a new lead. Really? Indeed, Miss. Yes. Now, Sprightly? <sighs> Do I have to, Annie? The coat Miss Poole is wearing, Mr. Crowder. Would you mind taking a careful look at it? Then, can you tell us whether it came from your warehouse? I... I really don't know. Uh, Jenkins, you're more familiar with the stock than I am. Would you mind examining this coat? If I might see the inside of the coat, Miss. Yes, of course. There should be a small manufacturer's label under the inner pocket of the lining. Uh, yes, it's there. Well, Mr. Jenkins? Then it is? Yes, this is definitely one of our coats. By Jove, what do you think of that? And, uh, how did you get this coat, Miss Poole? I didn't get it. It got me. Miss Poole bought this coat last night from the man in a truck who sold it to her for a hundred and fifty dollars. One hundred and fifty dollars? Incredible. Why, it's worth... Yes, we know what it's worth. That's why we suspected it to be part of your property. I see. And this, uh, man in the truck, did you get a good look at him? Well, no. To tell you the truth, I didn't. Like Annie said, it was late at night. But the truck, surely you noticed the license number? I didn't notice anything but the coat. I guess I was a little too excited over the bargain. 
Well, in that case, it would seem this clue simply leads us up a blind alley, doesn't it? Nevertheless, I do appreciate your interest in the case, Miss Rogers, and I assure you that if anything further turns up, I'll see to it that you are informed immediately. Thanks, but that won't be necessary, Mr. Crowder. Uh, it won't be? No, because I have no intention of dropping my investigation. I find it very interesting. But, but... Oh, there's no need to thank me. I'm happy to do it. Is something the matter, Mr. Crowder? Why, why, uh, nothing. Uh, I just... That is, I... I I think what Mr. Crowder is trying to say, Miss Rogers, is that such a, a minor case hardly seems worth your efforts. Uh, after all, you are a nationally syndicated columnist, and this affair is a purely local robbery. You and Mr. Crowder seem to be forgetting that this was not merely a theft, but also a murder. The night watchman was killed, remember? Yes, that's right, Miss Rogers. Poor old Jacobson. <sighs> he was one of my oldest and most faithful employees. Murdered in cold blood. Shot in the head and in the heart because... Yes, because he wouldn't take orders from a gang of crooks. You're right, miss. I hope you do investigate and find the monsters who killed him. Well, of course. So do I, Miss Rogers. I'll do anything in my power. Yes, I'm sure you will. Very well, then. Have I your permission to visit the warehouse, inspect it for myself? Why, I am... Um, yes, I suppose so. But I don't believe there's anyone there, though. Perhaps you could come with us and let us in? Well, I'd, I'd like to, but I'm a very busy man, Miss Rogers. My schedule is very tight today, so I really can't. If you don't mind, sir, I could take Miss Rogers and Miss Poole to the warehouse. I, I have some work to do there, anyway. Uh, no, Jenkins. I'm afraid I need you here. But my office work is all finished, sir. I'm expecting some visitors later today, and I can't spare you. I understand, Mr. Crowder. However, with that being the case, I suppose I'd better go and see Inspector Collins again. He'll make sure that I get into the warehouse, with a search warrant if necessary. Uh, no, that won't be necessary. On second thought, Jenkins, you may go to the warehouse with the young ladies. Yes, sir. Uh, do you wish to go now, miss? Whenever you're ready, Mr. Jenkins. Very well, then. I'll get my coat and be with you in a moment. Goodbye, Mr. Crowder. Goodbye, and thanks again, Mr. Crowder, for the wonderful cooperation. Eh, oh, yes. Uh, goodbye, Miss Rogers. Miss Poole, I wish you, uh... Good fortune. Ready, Miss Rogers? Yes, I'm on my way. Hurry up, Sprightly. Hello, Sam. This is J.C. Sam, something has gone haywire. Out of the blue. You know that smart Alec newspaper columnist, Ann Rogers? Well, her secretary happened to buy one of those stolen coats, and now little Miss Snoop is hot on the trail of... 
Yeah, I know it's bad news. That confounded woman has eyes like a hawk, and she can smell trouble like a hound dog can smell a possum. We've got to do something and do it fast. I mean, if the insurance company finds out what's been going on, we're all dead ducks. We will return to this exciting episode of Hot Copy in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Murder, mystery, tragedy. Private investigator Frank Dixon solves the dark secrets of a city in turmoil. An easygoing war vet and gumshoe has his life turned upside down when a murder case sets fantastic events into motion. This film noir-inspired audio drama uses immersive audio and supernatural story elements to deliver a genre-bending thrill ride. Listen to the first two seasons, now on Spotify. And now, back to Hot Copy. The unintentional purchase of a stolen Silver Fox coat by Ann Rogers' assistant, Sprightly Poole, has led them both into a web of intrigue, theft, and murder. Ann and Sprightly are now on their way to the warehouse of the fur company, together with Mr. Jenkins, the company's chief clerk. A most regrettable affair, Miss Rogers. Most regrettable. Regrettable? A hundred thousand bucks worth of furs are stolen, a guy gets knocked off, and you call it regrettable? Pal, that wins this year's Academy Award for Dramatic Understatement. I, uh, perhaps I should say tragic. Yes, and it's going to have a tragic conclusion for the thieves when we catch them. Yes, I hope you're right. Miss Rogers... Might I ask you a question? Why, of course, Mr. Jenkins. What is it? Just why do you insist on visiting our fur warehouse this afternoon? Yes, Annie. Why? I've been wondering, too. Isn't the answer obvious? To try and locate the missing furs. The missing? Annie, are you kidding? Yes, the missing furs. And I was never more serious in my life. Don't you realize that you meeting the peddler gave us an inside lead on this case? Sprightly, you told us something the police never even had a reason to suspect. You mean Miss Sprightly did recognize the man? No, but she saw the truck. But I didn't get the license number, Annie. You got something more important. Didn't you tell me the man was driving a small truck? Why, why yes, that's right. Like one of those grocery store delivery trucks. Exactly. But a hundred thousand dollars worth of furs would mean... Well, Mr. Jenkins can say better than I. How many, Mr. Jenkins? I think I'm beginning to see what you mean, Miss Rogers. About two hundred coats, maybe more. Enough to fill a medium-sized truck. Or a fairly large room. Now, the robbery took place. When? Uh, between ten and ten-thirty. Jacobson made his regular ten o'clock reports on the alarm system, but failed to report at ten-thirty, and that's what brought the police. Right. And at eleven-fifteen, Sprightly was approached by the mysterious peddler. So, in other words, it was humanly impossible for anyone to load the stolen furs into a large van, 
transport them somewhere, and reload them into smaller trucks. Therefore, those furs must still be in or near the premises of the warehouse. Well, I'll be a baboon's sister. But, Miss Rogers, you know what this means if you're right. I know exactly what it means. That someone who is well acquainted with the warehouse is in on the deal. Crowder. By golly, Annie, I bet Crowder engineered the entire thing himself. Oh, that's impossible, Miss Poole. I've been employed by Mr. Crowder for many years. He wouldn't do a thing like that, even if he is under a great financial strain just now. He is? Well, yes, a trifle. Furs don't move very fast these days because of the heavy tax on luxuries since the war. But, uh... Wait! I think I see the storage warehouse up at the next corner. Yes, Miss Rogers, this is it. We can park the car here. No one is here today, so just get out of the car, ladies, and we'll have the whole place to ourselves. Now, where is that key? Oh, here it is. Now, come this way. So dark in here. You ain't kidding. Oh, no problem. I'll turn the lights on. There we are. Now, Miss Rogers, the office is on your left. The storage compartments are located at the rear and on the two floors above. Uh, is there any particular place? I'd like to just look around for a few minutes and get acquainted with the layout. Where was Jacobson killed? Right over there by the staircase. He was apparently upstairs and came running down when he heard the thieves enter. And he died instantly? One bullet through his heart and one in his brain, Miss Rogers. Poor chap. He must have... What's that? Uh-oh. That's all right. Don't be alarmed. It's just the automatic warning system. It sounds whenever the door opens. I'll turn it off. Oh, this is the switch. You've really got this place protected. We thought so, Miss Poole. We installed the finest and latest in burglar alarm systems, fire sprinklers, detective agency, and insurance coverage, but uh, they simply didn't protect us against a determined gang of thieves. No, apparently not. You say this is your office over here? That's right. Would you like to see it? If you don't mind. Of course not. Uh, Miss Rogers? Miss Poole? Hmm, nice-looking office. Thank you, Miss Poole. When we refinished the warehouse, I had it modernized. A great deal of my work is done from here, so naturally I wanted attractive surroundings. You say the warehouse was refinished? Yes, uh, a year or so ago. I see. And who supervised the work? Why, uh, Mr. Crowder, of course. He drew up the plans and... Uh... He drew up the plans, eh? <laughs> Tell me, did you ever see the blueprints, Mr. Jenkins? Well, now that you mention it, I'm not sure that he ever did. But what... Oh, nothing. Just thinking out loud. 
I see you must love flowers, Mr. Jenkins. Those vases, you mean? Oh, no, that's my secretary's handiwork. She always keeps a few vases of cut flowers around. She's not working today? No, she only works part-time. This is one of her days off. Uh, well, now, Miss Rogers? I think that Sprightly and I will just kind of wander around the warehouse, if it's all right with you. Certainly. Anything you please. You, you won't mind, then, if I stay here in the office? I have a little work to catch up on. No, not at all. We'll be quite all right. Thanks. But I must confess, Miss Rogers, I think you're allowing your imagination to run away with you. The idea of the stolen furs being hidden somewhere on the premises, if you'll forgive my saying so, uh, seems uh, rather beyond belief, almost fantastical. Yes, perhaps it is. But I'm convinced, Mr. Jenkins, that my theory is right, and I'm going to look for those furs right here. I agree with you, Annie. I'm positive they're here, somewhere. <laughs> Well, Sprightly? Sounds okay to me, Annie, but honestly, I don't know what a hollow wall should sound like, though, to tell you the truth. Keep tapping on different sections of that wall. You'll know that you've hit something hollow when you suddenly hear a softer sound. Sprightly! Huh? What was that? I didn't hear anything. I mean... Which section of the wall did you just tap on? Annie, I didn't tap any section of the wall. If you must know the truth, I just kicked off my high heels. My feet are killing me. You kicked off your high heels and dropped them on the... Good heavens! Of course! Of course? Of course what? Say, Annie, are you sure you're not losing? <laughs> my mind? No, darling, I'm just finding the truth. We've been wasting our time. Hello there. What's that, Miss Rogers? Wasting your time? Now, she tells me, after me beating my hands black and blue, tapping on these walls. I hate to say I told you so, Miss Rogers, but I warned you half an hour ago. No. I mean, we've been wasting our time examining the walls, Mr. Jenkins. The answer was under our feet all the while. What? Under our... What's that you say? Just look, those floorboards. Notice the crack running lengthwise? It doesn't follow the cut of the other boards. It's a straight line. I first thought there must be a secret room located somewhere in this building, but I couldn't find it because that's what I was looking for, a room. But now it's quite clear. There is a concealed storage space located between the floor of the second story and the ceiling of the ground floor. It's right below us. Holy catbirds! What do you know about that? Good heavens, Miss Rogers! Then this proves definitively... Uh, I mean, if the furs are beneath this floor, that Mr. Crowder did stage the faked theft of his own building. No, Mr. Jenkins. It proves nothing of the sort. But a little while ago you said... That someone connected with the company did it. Yes, but that someone I had in mind was you, Mr. Jenkins. I? You dare accuse me of... You were a little careless with words. 
That's why I suspected you some time ago in Mr. Crowder's office. I, I, but, but I know nothing about this whole affair. How could I say anything to make you think that? Ah, but you did. When we were discussing the watchman's murder, you said he was killed because he wouldn't take orders from a gang of crooks. Don't you remember, Mr. Jenkins? And that Jacobson was killed instantly. Only one of the thieves could have known that he was ordered to do something and he refused, or that there was a gang of crooks and not just a single thief. Very clever, aren't you, Miss Rogers? Tony! Right here, boss. Take care of these two. A pleasure. Hiya, sister. Hey! You're the guy who sold me the coat! That's right. Now I'm gonna give you a rap to go with it. Sprightly! <coughs> you mongrel! You knocked her out! Yeah? Now ain't that too bad. Don't worry, sweetheart. I ain't playing no favorites. Ow! Oh! Well, very neat work, Tony. <laughs> we bump them now, boss? Not yet. Tie them up and put them in my office. That room is soundproofed. Then come back up here and help. We've got to get these furs into a truck and get out of here. This entire business is getting a little too hot. Sprightly! Sprightly! Oh, go away, Mama, and let me sleep. It's not time to get up yet. My alarm clock hasn't even gone off. Sprightly, wake up! Sprightly! Huh? Annie? Wait, where... where am I? Oh, my jaw! Yes, I know what you mean. I feel like an accident looking for a place to happen. But we've got to pull ourselves together and just get out of here. Get out of... Are you kidding? In case you haven't noticed, I'm tied up as tight as a drunken sailor, and you look like a cocoon yourself. Yes, I know that. But we've got to do something. Jenkins and Tony and their hoodlums are upstairs, transferring those furs. And as soon as they're finished, we go for a nice long ride, with no return ticket. Do you want that? Not me. That sounds permanently unhealthy. <laughs> and also, it's unpatriotic to travel long distances in wartime. Now listen, we can't use the phone. Jenkins disconnected it. But we've got to get help, somehow. I think I could wiggle myself to the window. If I broke it, then we could holler our heads off. No use. The window opens on a blank court. And anyhow, they'd hear us yelling. But I have an idea. That flower vase on the windowsill? Can you sort of push it with your elbow, maybe? Why, yeah, I think so, but... Then get it. Push it over here to me. I can move my hands a little. Thank heavens. No, no, be careful. Don't spill the water. But what are you... You'll see in a minute. There, now, see? If I can hold it to the sun, like this, I think I can... Annie, do you think it will work? I don't know, but it's our only chance. If the sun stays out, we might make it. Oh, Mr. Sun, give, give.
Tony, hurry up. Get everything down to the truck. Okay, boss. We're moving as fast as we can. We're almost done. Okay. Getting there quick. Sure, Tony. Yeah, nearly everything is loaded up. Great. We'll be out of here in about five minutes, Tony. And, uh, what about those two dames? They go with us. We can't afford to have them found here, and that Rogers girl is big time. You're telling me. I could go for her myself. If she wasn't so disgustingly honest. Well, should I go and get them now? Yes, I'll go with you. Wait, what's that? That's nothing. Just some fire engines going down the street. But they're not going down the street. They're stopping right in front of this building. There's some fire trucks out back too, boss. It must be a mistake. This joint ain't on fire. Maybe across the street. I've got to go and find out what's wrong. Get rid of them somehow. Tony, you and the boys, stay out of sight. Suppose they bust in and catch us. Should we let them have it? Not unless I give the word. I'd better go to the door. Stand guard over here. Coming! Coming! Open up in there! Where's the fire, Mac? Fire? Fire? Fire! Okay, boys. The boss says to shoot. Hey! You must be nuts! Tom! Call the police! There's a bunch of crooks in here! And are you sure you're all right now, miss? Yes, thanks to you smoke eaters. Me too, except I feel like a freshly dunked donut. <laughs> I wish I had some dry clothes myself, but that was quick thinking on your part, turning the high-pressure hose on Jenkins and his gang. All in a day's work, Miss Rogers, since the cops were kind of slow getting here. Somebody had to do something. But if you ask me... I'd say you did the quick thinking, triggering the flyer alarm like you did to bring help. So, how come they was dumb enough to let you get near the alarm box? They didn't. Sprightly and I were tied up, hand and foot. Huh? But, but, we got an alarm at the station. Darn right you did. Annie did it with her little vase of flowers. Vase of... Yes, that and sunlight and the automatic sprinkler alarm system. Since the building was so well protected, I figured the release of sprinkler water would register an alarm at the fire station. And I was right. She focused the sun's rays through the glass vase of water, directly at the heat detector in the sprinkler system. Then, after a minute or two, kablooey! We got a bath, and today's not Saturday either. <laughs> I was worried at first that it wouldn't work, but I had a vague memory of reading somewhere that the heat detector in those sprinkler systems is triggered at a mere 160 degrees Fahrenheit. And, since today was a nice warm day... 
that lovely, warm sun. Well, it was nice going anyway. You won't have to worry about Jenkins and his mob anymore. They're all in the clink by now. Good. And boy, that smiling, sweet-talking crook sure did have me fooled. I thought the entire time that Crowder was the brains behind the robbery. No, Sprightly. Though I believe we'll discover Crowder was not too anxious to have the stolen goods recovered. I had a brief glance at the hidden furs, and there seemed to be a lot fewer than he intended to collect insurance on. It's hard to sell furs during wartime, so he'd rather have the insurance money than the goods. That explains why he acted so oddly. Yes, but you still shouldn't have been deceived, Sprightly. The moment you saw that strange, secretive smile on Jenkins' lips, you should have known he was the real criminal. Huh? But why, Annie? That smirk, darling. That smirk. Don't you remember that old saying? Where there's smirk, there's fur? <laughs> um, Annie, as much as I would enjoy sitting here and listening to a few more of your, uh, hilarious puns... <laughs> <laughs> yes, Sprightly? There happens to be a very good-looking fireman standing in that corner, and he's been giving me the eye for the last ten minutes or so, despite the fact that every inch of me is soaking wet. So I'm going to mosey over there and see if he might just be interested in taking me out on a date after I get into some dry clothes and comb my hair. <laughs> hey! Maybe he knows a nice-looking fireman friend for you. I'll let you know what happens. See y'all later, Annie. Thank you for tuning in to Hot Copy Radio Theater. We truly hope that you enjoyed our recreation of Hide and Seek, a lost episode of the radio audio drama Hot Copy originally broadcast on April 30th, 1944. Our cast on this episode featured Rhonda Sigler-Ware as Anne Rogers, Samantha Thompson as Sprightly Poole, Jerry Kokich as Jenkins, Jeremy Sage as Crowder, Glenn Haskell as Tony, Scott R. McKinley as The Fireman, in addition, the following voices were also heard on this episode. Dwayne Parker, Patrick Broncato, David Robbins, Ethan Horton, and, finally, yours truly, Logan Smith, as your announcer. This episode was adapted from the original script written by Nelson S. Bond. Hot Copy Radio Theater is produced and edited under the direction of Jim Goodluck. Now, if you like this show, please take a moment of your time and go to Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes, then give a five-star rating and review for Hot Copy Radio Theater. And, if your favorite streaming service carries this show and allows you to give a rating, please be sure to rate us there also. Finally, if you would like to contact any of the voice performers from this episode, or... If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions in regard to this show, please send an email to hotcopyradiotheater at gmail.com. You can also follow this show on Twitter as at hotcopyradio. 
In addition, we have a Facebook page where you can make comments and give feedback. We invite you to tune in again on the 10th of each month for another thrilling presentation of Hot Copy Radio Theatre.